podcast. <laughs> Welcome to the Breathe Upon Waking podcast. This is Jimmy Thorpe. Thank you for listening. I am so happy that we get to do this. I am in the studio of iSugar Photography with Shayla Melton. Shayla, thanks for being here. Thank you very much for being here. So this studio, when I first met you, we were, uh, you were taking some pictures for me mm-hmm. in another studio um, in a big mill building. Yes. And now we're here. Can you talk a little bit about this place? Yes. This space is pretty much everything that I wanted to have someday. I thought it would be like my final plan when I was near the end of my business in terms of having a place at my home. Um, and it, so when I was looking to purchase my next home, I was searching for one that had a business opportunity space there. So when I bought it, I lived here actually for two years before turning it into the studio. And um, it is bright lights, which in photography you would think is a great thing, but I shoot with studio lights, so I have to block it all up. <laughs> but when I'm working in here, I just feel peace and calm. It's got great energy. Um, I built it all myself in terms of it was a slab with, I don't even know what was happening here. They had cameras and I don't, who knows? I think it was maybe a legal activity. There was <laughs> nine million holes, a thousand telephone wires over there. So I had to rip everything out and then envisioned what I wanted my wall spaces to be in terms of shooting. So I can have a dark wall, a distressed wall, a white wall, and then everything from my old studio. You used to walk through and all the walls were painted so you could pick which look you wanted. Oh, yeah. So because the space is much smaller, I had to paint all of my walls on two canvases. So what's great about the space is I can move everything to the side. It's a huge spot for me to lay down tarps yeah. and I can get my creative juices flowing and I paint new new walls all the time. Oh, really? Yeah. Cool. So I have every wall that I used to have at the old studio um, and then plus new ones because I get creative and... Sometimes when I'm working with a client and they have a specific color they want to work with, mm-hmm. so I have someone coming in for a mermaid theme, so I painted a mermaid backdrop. Did my daughter call you and set this up? No. <laughs> no. But I did cool. a mermaid theme. And then upstairs is a newborn world, so upstairs oh, is all the newborn props, cool. blankets, mm-hmm. hair pretties, hats, all that kind of stuff. So everything newborn happens upstairs, and okay. um, my clients will nurse down here. And they come up, but everyone loves the space. They've yeah, just, it's, it's really like a cottage feel. Yeah. And it's everything that I thought that I wanted and I didn't even know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's got a lot of great textures yeah. and colors and yeah. very bright. Cool. It is. And it's a chill space. Like when I'm working or editing, I come in here by myself and it's quiet. I even make it my yoga studio in the morning oh, yeah. and move everything out and do yoga in here. So, nice. yeah. So I remember doing newborn pictures with Matilda mm-hmm. and you know, I was very green at that time and like just knew as a parent and it's like, okay, so after you have a baby, now you take pictures of it really, really quickly. And I was like, well, this is kind of odd. <laughs> She's so tiny, she, you know, um, but then you got these beautiful pictures and, and like not like last night I was looking at the picture. I'm like, I'm so glad I did that. And that was really cool. You're what, what is that like? I just love newborn pictures because a every day of your child's life, they're never that age again. Mm-hmm. But that newborn time, it's just you're so amazed by their eyelashes. I remember when I was holding my babies and I was looking down, like their eyelashes were so big and dark and so beautiful to me. And just watching their sleeping faces and they do the suck thing where it's the... Yeah, yeah. And 
they're just so amazing. A, you work so hard for nine and a half, ten months in mm-hmm. your belly, <laughs> feeding them and walking, whatever. And then they're here and you're like, what the heck did I create this amazing little thing? So <laughs> I think capturing that time freezes with pictures. I just feel like it freezes that moment and it creates a memory. And I feel like when I look at my pictures, not only am I seeing that minute, that picture, but I'm seeing almost the entire moment that came with that picture. Um, It might be because I'm a photographer, but I think that I've always been that way in terms of my memories of my childhood. I don't have really good memories in terms of remembering, but I remember a picture and the story people told you that came with that picture. So newborns, I just love like wrapping them up and this color and it's just their face and it's, it's Mm -hmm. like, and then I guess the beauty of my world is I watch this kid grow and I take pictures of them as I get older and I'll see a kid that I've seen since they were days old and they come in for a five-year-old shoot and I'm like, you look exactly like you did as a newborn, (laughs) but big, like, like you can see the framework that's underneath. Yes. Faces change, but that essence is still there. Mm -hmm. And I think that with newborns, as crazy as it sounds, but everybody puts off this energy. And I think that when I'm with a newborn and then I see them later, their personality is exactly as they were as a newborn in terms of temperament, feistiness. I just think that it's all there. It's a package that comes. And I don't know. I think newborn is just the most precious stage to capture Mm -hmm. because it just, it's, the sum it's the beginning it's it's where everything started yeah and i love that it really captures like the fragility mm. you know they're just so tiny and it's, just new to the world so yes. it's pretty cool it's my favorite <laughs> you mentioned uh about a picture and capturing a moment and creating a memory and um, as i was kind of preparing for the interview i looked on your website and saw kind of like a mission statement or something, I guess you would say. I think it was on the homepage. Um, And I liked it because a lot of times with those type of things, um, I guess for myself and the ones that I've done in the past, kind of like mission statement type of things, they can get old or um, seem trivial or it's just something that you would put on your website. Mm But I thought yours was really strong and I I wanted to read it and see. And like maybe it's been a while since you looked at it and... I don't even it. remember what it is right now. Right, so this is this is the first half. Life is full of moments that take your breath away. Moments you cherish and wish you could freeze to relive them at a later point in time. Photography is a tool to freeze this moment in time. And it is a placeholder in your memory of this very moment. I spent countless hours looking through the albums from my childhood. And looking at photographs of my parents and grandparents through their life. As you said. The stories my grandparents would tell me would make them laugh and cry. The photograph was a cemented memory for them that provided a story to tell. That's 100% true and it makes me tear up because my Nana, when she would uh, specifically, I remember this picture and she would tell me, um, I used to sing a song all the time. And so whenever we looked at this picture, she would sing the song, but in my voice, the way that she heard my voice with childhood inflections and and missing letters and all that or and she would just she always told me stories about me as a child she really adored me and I think that for me that's maybe why I love photographs so much because she took so many pictures of me and always showed them to me all the time 
and always told me the story. So like, I might've heard the story a thousand times in my life, but to me it cemented everything, even though I probably didn't have the memory. I have the photo memory in mm-hmm. terms of, and the way my Nana told it. Yeah. So for me, I just think maybe I don't have the best memory. Maybe you remember everything of your childhood, but no, I don't. pictures, <laughs> it, it's not just that picture. It's that story that your parents will tell you or your grandparents will tell you. And when they're long gone, you can still hear it being told in your head. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so. it's the cliche of a picture it means a thousand words. It really and, does. And I think, you know, sitting down with, with a photo with a family member is that nostalgic moment that it's like the experience of it. Mm-hmm. You can watch it in their eyes. Yeah, you yeah. can see them relive it in their eyes. It's it's like, like when you're a kid, the... What's the red thing that you used to push? Oh, I don't know what that's called. Oh, viewfinder. Yeah, yeah. But you really can see it flashing in their eyes and they light up. And I just remembered just how happy it made them to tell me that story all the time. So for me, I think that pictures are just the most important thing. Like I still, I go through them with my kids. And now you live in a world where it's on your phone. Mm -hmm. People probably don't even look back, but we, we do at our house. We'll go back and look at the last year or watch videos from a few years ago that we took on our phones or pictures that we took on our phones. Yeah, what do you think is an effective way to do that now that we have, most of them are just digital and I just then put them to my computer. I feel like I'm good at trying to like print some good ones and, and get them out of there, but how, what do you recommend for people to? It's hard. So at my house, I have canvases. So it's kind of like the cobbler whose kids have no shoes mm-hmm. in terms of I do pictures. It's required. We do fi- pictures one time a year, family pictures. I yeah. set up it up on a tripod and do we do pictures. <laughs> um, so those are what get printed in my house as canvases. And so I have them all throughout my house because I just do it once a year, but I do everyone has a canvas, the family, etc. And they move upstairs when new ones come in. But um, in terms of everyday moments for people, I think it's important to make slideshows or um, definitely printing even on my kitchen counter. I have little frames and I have them in my um, mm-hmm. library. So those are saved for real moments, which haven't gotten filled yet. But um, I think in the digital world, it's really hard. Slideshows, maybe even albums. Mm-hmm. But that's the thing that I love. I love photo albums from my childhood. Okay. So yeah. I think that's pe- something that's being missed right now. Yeah. For our kids. Yeah, I'm really thankful my parents put together a big photo album for me and, and gave it to me a couple of years back. And it's been something that my daughter and I look at Kids often. love it's looking at pictures. They yeah. really do. <laughs> so I think that printing them or putting them together in a book is important. Yeah. And people can come to you to like, you know, start making that stuff happen. Yes. So. Yep. So often when I have um, a baby who comes in for a newborn and comes throughout the year, We'll do a photo book at the end. So oh, okay. then that way they have a first year book. Yeah. Get to see the progression. Yeah. Nice. So iSugar Photography is a business and, uh, you know, people can come to you for that. But as we're talking about these memories, you know, what is the, what has been the deeper meaning for, you know, giving these people photographs that they can take home and cherish? I honestly, it might be selfish. But I feel like so many of my clients, I would actually say all of my best friends are clients, <laughs> as strange as that sounds. But I just feel like, A, I get the opportunity to meet so many people, mm-hmm. and I meet some really great people who then I become a little part of their life, and they become part of mine. 
But um, I just feel like I want to give that gift to people of what what's important to me is those pictures to capture this moment in time right now. You're always moving forward. It's always changing. You only have today. And then and then it's gone. So to capture today and mm-hmm. have it 10 years from now, five years from now, however long it is, that's that memory that is cherished by your family. And I got to be a part of that. Very cool. Yeah, really cool. I like to joke that when I have a funeral someday, I want it to be where everyone ta- brings a favorite picture of me or a picture I took so that there's this huge uh, photo wall. Okay. So, nice. When that happens. Right. That's right. what I'd like to have. Let's not look forward to it, but no. that's a good idea for the time. <laughs> Um, so a little bit later on down in your mission statement, you mentioned something about um, the work that you do. You, you try to do it creatively, beautifully, and artistically. Mm-hmm. Do you consider yourself an artist? Yes. I cannot. I paint backdrops too, but if I could have one talent, it would be to draw. Oh. And I can't. <laughs> Particularly because back in the day, one of my business was... I designed clothing for babies and birth bibs this is before you had things like it was just Gerber diapers on and so I would have to make it and put it together I couldn't draw what I wanted oh yeah so I would cut the pieces of fabric and stitch them together or pin them together Mm -hmm. to show but I couldn't draw what I wanted that's interesting because I struggle with that and uh so if you want to like develop um the foundation or the outline of what you want mm-hmm. it's hard to do if you on can't draw it no and i can talk it i can see it visually <laughs> yeah. i just can't draw it the way that I, my mind can see it yeah i'm just not talented in that way okay i wish it was a talent i had so our pictures do you create do you consider yourself an artist taking a picture i think so yeah i think that there's layers and textures and colors and putting it all together is a piece of art mm-hmm. i do so is that some sort of outlet for you? You must you must um, achieve some sort of fulfillment in that creative outlet. I do. I definitely would say I'm a creative person. I have to be creating or making something. It yeah. fulfills me 100%. I like that you said that. One thing I've been trying to pay attention to lately is producing over consuming. And I have created uh, better feelings just for myself mm-hmm. instead of consuming a lot of stuff. And even if I'm just producing something for myself, it may not be something amazing or beautiful, but if I create or produce something, it usually leads to a lot better state for me than consuming. I think so too. I think that as humans, we are meant to be creators, hmm. I would say. At a very biological and foundational level, that would, is what we are. I would say. I mean, we, we produce children. We produce... I mean, we're responsible for producing pretty much everything in terms of planting trees or planting flowers. I think that there's art in pretty much everything. Even a person who is um, gardening. Yeah. That's art. Yeah. When you're putting together the layers, you would have shorter flowers, medium flowers, yeah. taller. It's beauty... And that's something that I think everyone sees Mm -hmm. and our bodies crave to see that pattern Mm -hmm. in whatever you are. Mm -hmm. There's a pattern to everything. That's interesting. So since I've been, since I'm a single guy at home, I have, uh, I want to start, well, I guess since I am a single guy and I haven't paid much attention to it, I haven't like beautified my home, you know, and that's something that I'm starting to think like, the place that you're in often 
yes. should try to make as beautiful as possible. Yes. It really lends itself to creating happiness. Mm-hmm. I would say in my, in my kitchen in the window, my favorite thing is you can be anything in this world. Choose to be kind. If you could, you know, like you mm-hmm. have. And when I see that every morning, it makes, it starts my day off with the intention of being kind mm-hmm. today. Those little things. Or choose something that sets your world on fire. Like, I think that I, I love quotes particularly mm-hmm. because even though I know them, seeing them visually pushes me that much farther to set my intention that day. Yeah. I think that, I think you should wake up every day with an intention of what you want to do that day or what you want to be or accomplish or strive for. So do you attempt to create that intention early in the morning or do you let it happen naturally? Oh no. I said every day I'm list driven. So I have the night before I created the list of all the things I have to do mm-hmm. and I actually do it in three tiers. This sounds really crazy, but I have my <laughs> list of what I have to get done, what I'd like to get done and bonus. If I made it through my day, these extra things to get done. Oh, nice. So every day I start off my day with the intention of the things I want to get done and the essence for the day of what I want. And you wrote that the night before? Yes. So you wake up with it planned? Yes. That's good. It's organized. (laughs) It is very organized. I'm very type A, but I feel calmer when I know what I have to get done Mm -hmm. and the brackets of time that just because for me, what's important every day is food and nourishment. Mm -hmm. And so I even... Think of what I want to eat for the day, which sounds crazy, but it is. (laughs) And then my workouts are very important to me. So I figured out what I want to do for a workout and I've planned where it's going to be in my day. And then I know what I need to do for work so that I have that. And then I know what time my kids are coming home and what I have to do with them. And for me to fit in all the things that I want to fit in, I have to have increments of time Hmm. and how I'm going to do them. Interesting. But I feel like every day is so full. I have so much to do that I have to plan it out. And it makes me feel calmer to know what I have to do. Do you ever clear? Do you ever get to the bonus stuff? You must. I do. I get to the bonus stuff a lot. Oh, cool. And then I try to have one bonus day for me in terms of doing something for me, something okay. that makes me happy. Nice. So I just had one of those on Friday. Oh. Yeah, that was very nice. Can we talk about anything you did that day? Um, it was my friend Laura's birthday, so I have not had a donut in. Eight oh, years. I know. <laughs> I have celiac disease. And so every baby that's been coming in to have a cake smash has been doing these donut cake smashes. Uh-oh. I know. So I have to like <laughs> set them up. I'm smelling them. They're in my face. They smell so good. And I want them so badly. And I can't have them. So we had planned to do something for her. So she wanted to go rock climbing, indoor rock climbing, which I love doing. That's yeah. like one of my bonus things that I like to do. And so we were planning to go to Portland to do that and had looked up breakfast, like food for our day. And I saw the gluten-free donut place. So there's one in Scarborough, the Holy Donut. And so we stopped there on the way and you can buy a half pack, like a six pack. And so I got a six pack of donuts and then I, they only had four gluten-free flavors, two were sold out. So I got duplicates of extras. But anyways, we sat there and opened them up so that I could have one of each, a bite of each. Yeah. And so like literally my eyes rolled back in my head. It was like (laughs) the most joyous moment that I had felt in so long. Like she took pictures of me and I'm literally like, oh, oh, that's so good. And so we had donuts, we went and climbed and then we went out to lunch um, at the Green Elephant in Portland, 
had more donuts on our ride home. And then she had a birthday party with family that I went to. So we did dinner and more donuts. So I ended up eating three donuts in one day. (laughs) I felt really disgusting. (laughs) Well, you felt happy. But it made me really happy. Yeah. Cool. That, um, so those days away where you, you know, you kind of give it to yourself. I was just speaking to someone on the last podcast episode about kind of, um, we're talking about sports and people like go all into one sport and they don't spend any time away anymore. And he, Mm -hmm. he was talking about like the balance of that. And it's, it's like a good reset to come back when you come back to your life that you had that time to kind of reset. Yeah. I'm a big hiker. So I would say that hiking was the day where to some parents, this might sound selfish, but I didn't think about being a parent. I didn't think about my business. I didn't think about my house. It is just chill you, the universe out there for a full day. And I would come home in this new space where I just felt happy and ready to tackle it again. Yeah. Ready to take it on. I think that's important, particularly for parents to reset and have their own time. And I think this is a man and woman thing, but particularly women, um, we're busy doing, taking care of everyone else all the time. And you as a single dad, you're taking care of all the time. You need a day for you to reset and be happy and fulfilled. Mm -hmm. Not that our children don't fulfill us, but the reality is, is they are in your life for a short period of time. And if you don't know who you are and fulfill who you are, when they leave, you're empty and sad. So Mm -hmm. like, plus for your child, don't you want your child to feel fulfilled and happy? Mm-hmm. You have to show them what looking that looks like to be fulfilled and happy. Yeah, Teaching cool. them that you are important makes them know that they are important. Mm-hmm. So it's a lot of modeling. It is. It is. But I think that that's something that people don't do. Mm-hmm. And it's so important. A lot of us are like burning the wick at both ends mm-hmm. and just go, 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 get into the rat race. Yep. And it doesn't even have to be once a week. It could be once a month mm-hmm. or... Whatever works, you just need that time to carve out for you, mm-hmm. to develop you, to grow. Hmm. Yeah, nicely said. So the other side of that, though, is you're, you are like a really hard worker surrounding your photography and your mm-hmm. business, and um, you're going all into that. But I guess that time away allows, allows a better approach there. Yeah. I feel like maybe my personality is all into whatever I'm doing. So mm-hmm. with work with personal, all of it, I'm go, 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 go from the minute I wake up to the minute I go to bed. Well, let's talk about that a little bit because we were talking before the podcast about, uh, like, I feel like I'm a Renaissance man of sorts and like, try, I want to try everything and I have such a long list, but I don't know if I'm investing enough time or effort into one thing. So how do you know, like when to go all into something or just, yeah. I would say, so I took up hiking two and a half years ago. Um, it started on a whim in terms of my daughter had a soccer game, um, national tournament out in Colorado. So in Colorado, the mountains are everywhere. It's different than here in terms of their land is very flat. Mm-hmm. So then you can see these mountains. We yeah. have beautiful mountains within two hours of us, but our, our land is just so hilly that we can't see them. Yeah. But they would have been just as far as our mountains were, but you could see them because it was flat. Mm -hmm. And so every day I was there, I drove up a mountain, which sounds crazy, (laughs) but I wanted to see it. Once I went up one, I was like, oh my goodness, I need to go see that one. So every day I was there for five days, I drove up a different 14,000 footer every day. And then I did take one of the days, a a cog trail up to the top of 
of Pikes Peak. Mm -hmm. So when I was there, that feeling was just so incredible. You're looking around perspective. This is why I hike. There's just this thing about being so tiny and seeing just how big the world is and how insignificant you are mm -hmm. in all of it and how little everything else is in terms of your problems or whatever is happening. You are just this tiny little speck on this planet. So I got back and I felt this like sadness that I couldn't see that or feel that again. And so I was like, okay, we've got these mountains, but I have to hike up them. Yeah. So I had learned that there are these patches here in New Hampshire. So there's 52 with a view, which are smaller mountains. They're generally in the 3000 mm -hmm. uh, feet of elevation. So I started on this patch and I went out on my birthday and um, I bought all this gear before because me, I'm all in. If I'm going to do it, I actually, no, I hadn't gotten my hiking shoes yet for my birthday. I had ordered this stuff, but it didn't come in. So on my birthday, I headed out by myself and I went to go do this hike. I got terribly lost because I didn't print the map. I only took a picture of the trails that I was going on. So I got off on the backside. I ended up 20 miles from my car. I had to hitchhike. It was Good start. I, I cried up on the mountain at one point because I, I thought I was on the loop and then I wound up at the same place I had been an hour before tired. and I was like so exhausted. I had no cell service. Like it was horrible. I was totally lost and totally scared. But when I made it out, I was like, I just did that. I yeah. was up there and somehow I found my way down. And so I headed out the next week. So I worked on that patch and finished that really quickly. And then there's this one called the 48. So it's 48 mountains that are over 4,000 feet in elevation. Mm -hmm. So I started that list and I completed it in five months. Most people take their whole lifetime to do it. So clearly I go all in. Yeah. So is it more than one a week? Yeah. Uh, I was going good at math, but. once, twice a week. And then as you get to be a good hiker, you realize that you can double up some. They can, they're near each other so you can get them together. Okay. So, um, Obviously, I go way all in and then I feel like once I've reached a fulfilled level of that, I try something new. So then I got a road bike and then <laughs> road biking, there's this app called Strava so you can compete yeah. against other people that are riding in the same area as you. So I'm definitely competitive and I think that those are the things, now it's a Peloton, but um, I think that for me, I have to push myself until I've completed whatever it was. So I, I do also have a paddleboard that was like my one summer love. This sounds bad when I put it all together, yeah, yeah. but I just like go all in until I feel like I've satisfied myself with that. I've accomplished whatever I can and then I move on to try something else. So what if you like buy a new bike and all the gear and you go out for a ride and you're like, this isn't for me. You just have to sell it and... <laughs> I guess so. I think with my personality, like I'm an all in person. That won't happen. Yeah, no. I'm not going to give up on anything ever. Okay. I'm going to keep trying. I'm contemplating all the gear to do rock climbing on a bigger basis because I love it that much. Okay. Yeah. Wow. It's terrifying though. So going all in and then kind of seeing it to its end, but then once you feel complacent or that you've you've completed something. Yeah. The minute you're complacent and it's not giving you that sheer joy, mm -hmm. it's time to move on. Try something else. You can go back to this love. You can do it every now and then. Yeah. But find something else that pushes you and drives you and makes you scared a little bit mm -hmm. and makes you grow. Yeah. I think being scared, the best moments in my life I've realized have been combined with fear and accomplishment. Mm -hmm. Those two things together are like my greatest memories. That's cool. Or my greatest accomplishments. Yeah. 
So when you have like the question or your conscience saying, should I do this? I don't know. I'm kind of scared to. That's when you just have to say yes. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you don't know unless you did it. Go for it. And I, we said this before, but your biggest regrets in life are things you didn't do. Mm-hmm. When people are dying older, they're not spending their time saying, I wish I didn't do this. Mm-hmm. They're saying, I wish I did this. Mm-hmm. So I want to make sure I did all the things I think I want to do. Yeah. Even if they terrify me. I really want to go skydiving, which terrifies <laughs> the crap out of me. But I, when I went and hiked, I did the Tour de Mont Blanc, which is the Alps. I hiked um, French, Italian, and Swiss Alps. It's this big loop, 125 miles. Um, that was its own emotional torture and amazingness and horribleness all in one. Did you travel there alone? Uh, so I went with one of my hiking friends that I met on the trails. Um, we just became really good friends. He's like a hiking dad to me. Mm-hmm. And we went and did it together. And so because I was so busy in my business, he did a lot of the planning. Oh, nice. And so there is a book, a guidebook of like how to do it. But most people go on a tour. We decided to do our own. So it was just the two of us. Oh, boy. And <laughs> so you hike with everything on your back and you stay in these hostels around the way okay. and it was the most incredible experience of my life and first of all I had to lose, learn French because um, everyone there speaks French even when you're in the Italian and Swiss parts because they're so close it's like a French region that they speak French how long did you give it I started taking classes three months before Took classes uh, I did Babbel online and yeah. Duolingo so every day in the beginning was a little bit one class and I take a little Duolingo is kind of like games. So I do a little bit as it became closer. I was spending three hours a day studying. I was really proud of myself because I tried so hard and I had learned Spanish when I was younger. So not fluent, but could get along in conversation. Mm -hmm. And so then it was so hard because you're learning a different language. They're not the same. It's, it's different. Mm -hmm. And, but I felt so proud of myself. So then as the weeks came, I was everything that I was using. I was saying the French word to myself, just, just so I got it. And so when we got there, a, you're exhausted because the flight was like 14. I mean, it was just forever. And then we had to start hiking the minute we got there. Yeah. And so when you fly in, you fly into Geneva and then you have to take a bus over to get to, um, we started in Cormier, which is in Italy. Mm-hmm. And so my friend had the guidebook and he was telling us which way to go. I have a hiking app. So it like shows, and I had downloaded all the trails that I knew that we needed to go. Mm-hmm. And so right off the bat, there was an argument of which way to go. And I was like, oh no. <laughs> and so, because you're in the city, so it's hard because you have to get from the city like this little tiny city. I mean, it's tiny yeah. to get to the trail. Yeah. So we finally get to the trail and it is straight up, like so straight up. Oh, really? Hiking here is good, good experience because we in New Hampshire, they actually, a lot of people come to New Hampshire to train to hike all of the big mountains in the world oh. because most other places it's called switchbacking. They mm-hmm. hike back and forth, back and forth sure. to make it less strenuous. In New Hampshire, we kind of just go straight up the mountain. I wonder what that says about it. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> but um, so over there was that same kind of hiking, straight except up. it's now like 6,000 feet in elevation gain. Oh Even gosh. though, so I was hiking up to 10,000, but you're starting to 3,000. Yeah. So it was really hard. I was exhausted because I hadn't slept. And um, we got to like this uh, 
ski chalet thing so we could go to the bathroom and I looked down and I was like <gasps> I feel like I'm dying I don't think I can do this but this is all in my head and I didn't want to share you know like if someone says something it brings you down too right. if you're like oh this is so hard it becomes that much harder yeah. so I was like no I gotta hold this together and so we kept hiking and I ran out of water and everyone does the Tour de Mont Blanc one direction we decided to do it the other direction because a <laughs> We wanted to like kind of be on our own and not have to be with packs. I could see that. And B, why not yeah. do it differently? Extra challenge. But it actually worked out on a bonus because I ran out of water and these three people, like every day I was keeping a journal, every day someone was my angel. Like oh, really? someone was an angel. And I was an angel to other people, but it just happens to be like when you need something, someone like appears. passing on the trail yeah. or like in a town? passing on a trail, whatever it happened to be. Okay. But I think this is in life too. If yeah. you need someone, something, yeah. there is someone around yeah. to offer that what you need. So I was so thirsty. I had drops left because I thought in this trail book, it said you're going to see water every couple miles. Yeah. We were not seeing water. And yeah. um, so I was so thirsty in this group. They were English. So they spoke English to us. They were from England and she gave me her water like she was gonna oh, get wow. to the town so she gave me the water and I was like oh my goodness you're the most amazing human thank you so much and then we passed through and there are these beautiful mirrors that they've put up so that you can get a picture a selfie of you oh, really? with the mountain behind you wow. at first we had no idea what these weird mirrors were yeah. we're like why are these mirrors <laughs> in the middle of nowhere and then we realized when we took a picture that they oh, were and cool. so then you popped over this hill and i'm not kidding it was the most beautiful sound i've ever heard in my life it's cows and they all have the bells on and oh, really? so you can just hear hundreds of bells ringing and these yeah. cows are way out I mean, it's just the most beautiful place. Hmm. If I ever come back as something in this life, I hmm. want to come back as an, a cow out in these fields. It was just <laughs> beautiful. so beautiful. And so it was so far to go. You could not even see where you need to go. And my friend who had planned this trip had come up with what the mileage was. Every day he was off by five to 10 miles. So that's a lot, that's yeah. a lot to be off by. <laughs> it really is. So my pack is like 40 pounds. By the time we get to the, the place, it was late. Everyone else had already eaten. Thankfully, mm -hmm. they still fed us. But it's like struggling because you're tired. And if you're tired and you're trying to figure out how to speak a language that you don't really know, oh, yeah. it was exhausting. <laughs> and then I just remember the first night I slept in a bunk bed with 10 It's not a bunk bed. Like, we know what bunk beds. Okay. It is a large, like, three king-size beds put together in bunks. So you're sleeping side by side next to people. Yeah. And I have a sleeping disorder. I sleep with white noise every night. Oh, I know yeah. that's crazy. So I had to put my phone, headphones in my ear and wrap my head. And it was just, I was so exhausted that I slept, but I was shocked that I could sleep. And then there was one bathroom that all the men and women were sharing. And one of the doors didn't work. Like within 24 hours, I saw all the body parts that I never <laughs> thought I could see in one one yeah. little stay but it was just the most amazing experience and every day was that exhausting that hungry that thirsty mm. so it was definitely the biggest challenge that i've ever done in my life but it was so rewarding to get it done wow yeah so where other than uh new hampshire are you looking to go out and hike somewhere else now I am in for the bid for the Mount Whitney, which is the highest one in the continental U.S. I find out March 27th, I think, or March 17th. Oh, really? It's like any moment now. Is today the 17th? I think it is. No. So it wasn't yesterday. 
It's the 27th. So if I get okay. that bid, I'm going to go hike Mount Whitney. If I don't, I want to go back to Colorado and hike the mountains that I first drove up just for oh, yeah. the sense of full circle. Yeah. Is that in the Colorado Springs area? Or? It's um, up in the Rockies. And then um, Pat's, Pikes Peak is down where the Garden of the Gods are. Yeah. Do you know where that okay. is? I, yeah, my daughter and I went there. So I have a cousin oh, in Colorado so Springs and we went to get to see the yes. Garden of the Gods. Yes, Colorado Springs is that little town. So okay. I want to go back and hike Pikes Peak. That's Beautiful. my number one mountain I want to hike. Oh, nice. Just because it was the mountain that I was on that I said, I need to hike. Yeah. And it's where America the Beautiful was written. Oh. Yeah. It's okay. so beautiful. Like the Purple Mountains Majesty, they really are, they really are. purple and beautiful. <laughs> Is the most incredible, amazing spot. Cool. Do you take a nice camera, a nice heavy camera with you on these? So, trips? no. <laughs> when I am hiking here... I don't, but in uh, the Alps, I did carry. I had like um, little clips so that my camera was in the front, which is really cool. And I have my cell phone for anything immediate. But um, mm -hmm. I did a photo book that I have right there that's oh. of my journey. And I, it was an extra probably five pounds. Yeah. But it was worth it because my favorite moment of the whole trip was yeah. we were finishing. Well, there's two moments, but we were finishing. So in the middle, we had to take a day off because we missed, there was this whole problem. There's these telephoriques, which are basically, what's it, a cable car that mm -hmm. goes up and down. And so we couldn't stay up top. We had to take the telephorique down to, for our hostel down at the bottom. And so we missed a day of travel. We decided to pause, jump in the trail later, and just skip this section. Because mm -hmm. it was, by day three, we were like, this is way too hard. I yeah. don't think we're gonna Can't be able to do this. Up. Yeah, we're not gonna <laughs> be able to do this. I had blisters on my feet. It was horrible blisters on my yes. back on my shoulders on my sides where the pack was rubbing and so we skipped this point so on the last day of what would have been the official thing but I went back and finished my spot like I couldn't leave oh it was so emotional I can tell that story <laughs> in a second if you want to hear it but on our last day you can see the city like you're up on these mountains you can see where you started and where we're going to finish yeah. and all of a sudden it was the craziest thing so we had just walked through the sheep so like the cows, but hundreds and hundreds of sheeps with all the bells dinging. Mont Blanc is in the background. My whole thing, I don't know if you saw this on Instagram, but I wanted to do the song by Julie Andrews in The Sound of Music. Oh, yeah, Did yeah. you see this yeah. on my Facebook yeah. Instagram? So I'd been waiting and I thought it was one day and it ended up being this last day. So like I had spent every day waiting to get this one point. So every time I saw a peak, I'm like, is this the one? Nope. And then I finally found the one. So... I was so exhausted, so hungry. That day was just torture. And when I finally got to there, I was so renewed and happy from being able to sing the hills of love. <laughs> and so from the top of that, you could see the village where you needed to get to. And so we passed through these sheep and they were so beautiful. And there's dogs that are like barking and keeping them in a row. So yeah, they are shepherding. Yeah. And there was no human. I couldn't see a oh, human really? anywhere. Just the dogs keeping the sheep together. So I was taking pictures and we're walking through all of a sudden this big, beautiful stallion of a horse comes running up over the mountain that's in front of us and coming down right straight towards us. So yeah. like it was split second and Roger couldn't get his phone out. So I had my camera right here. So oh I'm taking pictures. Gosh. So there's this beautiful picture I have in the book. Yes. Of this horse that is running at, <laughs> at me. <you. laughs> like I'm talking one foot from me and I was able to click, 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 click and, and get it. And it ran right past me, ran through yes. the middle of the sheep. The sheep are running all of a sudden everywhere. And all of a sudden you see this man. Like... Oh, you can hear the boom, 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 yeah. boom. 
This man comes out of nowhere with this huge whip and pulls it back and hits it. It was like, I couldn't even tell you, 30 feet long, 40 feet long, snapped it and hit the horse. The horse jumped into the air because it was like shocked by the right. power or feel or whatever and then ran off to the other side. It was as if it hadn't happened. It was the strangest thing. And what then was that? And yeah. so we got down to the village. But yes, I had I had the most emotional night that night because we went and ate to celebrate. And I was like, we're not finished. And my friend was like, no, I don't need to go back. I finished. <laughs> and I was like crying and emotional. And I left the most emotional video. I would do videos for my daughter to send to her when I had oh, Wi-Fi. Yeah. Yeah. And it was a hot mess. I saved it just because I wanted to remember that feeling of feeling like, how hard something was, but that I wasn't willing to give up on yeah. it. And so this like powwow that I'm having with my phone about <laughs> sometimes things are so hard, but you can keep going. You can do it. Like don't ever quit. Don't ever give up on your dreams. And I'm just a hot mess crying through this whole video. <laughs> and so the next day to be able to finish, I had to take a train, a bus, a train and another bus to get back to Switzerland yeah. to hike this one last section. And so there were these really nice people that I met from England that we were talking on the train and then, um, or no, on the bus. And then when we got there, I had by, oh no, they got off a stop before me and I wasn't going to cheat. I needed to do every single mile. Right. So I hypothetically thought that I would see them later in the day. I passed them one hour later. So like I was going, they're like, oh you are on a mission <laughs> and it was so steep and I was just sweating and running and Every single stop that I stopped, I'd cry because it just was so overwhelming to me to be able to finish. And so I had so far to go and I couldn't make the Teleferique. I knew that I wouldn't make it. So I had to walk the village. So I had to walk an extra 10 miles to finish. What? I cried the whole way in the village. <laughs> and the one thing that, um, so they had one mountain where you could take a Teleferique and up top they have snacks for all the tourists who ride up to get up there. Mm -hmm. And so I had had this Magnum, which we do have them here. They're like a ice cream bar. Oh yeah. 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 And I had never had one before, wow, that's, but that's I had treat. one on this place. <laughs> so when I finished, I was like, I'm getting a Magnum. I ate three Magnums on the way back because every time I passed the store that had one, I'd get another one. Cause I was like, I am so that's damn proud of myself. <laughs> I was just so proud of myself. And like, no one could have understood what I went through to yeah. make that last day happen. But for me, my interiorly, I was just like a mess because I just felt like I had worked so hard and I could have given up and said I did it. But I knew for myself inside that it wasn't going to be complete if I didn't do yeah. that last you couldn't live with that. 15 miles, which yeah. ended up being like 25 miles. But yeah, yeah. That is, it was, it was for me story. worth it because I needed to feel the accomplishment of doing it 100%. Wow. Yeah. Very cool. And you still have those videos and your daughter saw those hot mess videos. Yeah. It's yeah. so good. I have all the videos. <laughs> I just feel like it's important to like see struggle and, and yeah. know that things can be really tough, but yeah. you can do it and make it out. You can keep going. Yeah. That's a great message. So the, I'm, I'm sensing like this real nice, like old world feel to where you were, you know, you have like the, the shepherding going on. Oh. You have the town, the small towns and the mountains surrounding it. And I just read this book, um, The Blue Zones, which is basically focuses on five areas around the world where people live, uh, where a lot of centurions live, like people that live into their over 100 years mm -hmm. old. And a lot of it is like food they eat, their lifestyle, which they don't, 
deliberately exercise. Basically, they're exercising throughout their day, mm-hmm. whether walking or yep. through the mountains. There's a social connection piece, um, and I can't even remember the other two, but what was the sense that you got from you know, where you were and what they were offering you maybe for food and like... Yeah. I would say 100%. I have never felt more at peace, more calm, more fulfilled, more of every sense that could ever be in this place in the world. It was, yes, the one, the two cities I was in, Cormier, which was in Italy, that's kind of like a ski town. You had to take a train to get there. It used to be closed off from the world. You have, you'd have to hike to get there. Right. But when they put this um, train in, now people can get there. Mm-hmm. But... Um, but a lot of the people are still old world. Yeah. And then Chamonix was in France. That's more of a very high-end ski communica- community. So I would say there, even there, it was still that feeling though. Still felt that. The, there's no bugs. I can't explain it. Yeah. And everywhere, this is maybe a French thing, or it's the region thing, their windows are doors. So everything's open all the time. Oh, wow. The open feeling, the air is so clean. All the water I drank was glacier water that had come down into these buckets. Um, the food was so... I'm not kidding you. I, like, literally, my favorite food in the world was a peach there. Really? You would eat this peach, and I literally... I mean, this sounds dramatic, but it was like gushing all down your face. It was yeah. the best peach you've ever eaten. I swear I could feel the farmer who picked it that morning in my essence yeah. after I ate it. It was so good. Everything is fresh and everything's right there. You buy your food for the day. That's like the French way of life. So you would go to the patisserie in the morning. You would get your bread or whatever. I would pick up my fruit for the day. There's a fruiterie and that's where you got your fruit. They had, there was a lot of sausages. So I did eat a lot of sausage, but my sausage was from like a real animal that was just, just, yeah, (laughs) the best life that it could have ever lived and probably just made. And, but I need a protein and it could take you for days, but, um, everything you bought fresh, the food was just like the cheese. They're big on cheese. There's the cheese region. And, um, the cheese was just insane. Like something like every single food I ate and this is their culture too. It's about enjoying the food. And the food comes with conversation and community and yeah, it's about that social. Bread it really is. Like here I feel like you're eating because you have to eat or, or there's a lot of grazing. But like the meal aspect of what they do there is you're sitting, having a conversation. That's probably they eat less maybe because you're talking mm-hmm. when, but everything is so fresh and real that it's rich and it fulfills you sooner mm-hmm. and fuller. I, I just can't explain it. Everything was so amazing. Everyone walks everywhere yeah. and they don't mow their lawns. They have a push thing with the cutter that cuts it and you walk to get your food every day. It's just nothing's packaged. Nothing is processed. Everything is, it's thoughtful, I think. Mm-hmm. the So like here, when you're buying a peach, you can choose a regular peach or an organic peach. Mm-hmm. I don't know what the right, you know, like you don't know what it was doing. And I actually have clients who are farmers who say they're being grown side by side. So there's whatever's being sprayed on this one is really making its way over here. Nothing is organic because it's all organic. Everything is fresh. Mm -hmm. Everything has no chemicals, pesticides, nothing. The cows, I can't explain it. They're just happy. Like it is a happy existence there in terms of you see people sweeping their stairs every day. Everyone is hanging laundry on their lines when I would pass through villages. 
no noises are happening from like nothing's motorized there's no they're washing their clothes in a sink Mm. with a scrubber and then hanging them my favorite moment of the whole trip was i walked through this swiss village and i had known about it ahead of time it was thousands of years old and you walk through and it was the most amazing like i get chills when i think about it this little boy was on his balcony singing opera as I walked and I could hear him for like a solid two miles. He was just yelling this opera song. And it was like, the mountains are around you. You're in this village where the smell of a thousand years old is really there. Not like in a gross way, but Mm -hmm. it was old wood. I I just kept taking pictures of the wood because the wood was so beautiful. And it snuck through. There was tiny little roads like, and the cars are the little cars that we maybe see in movies. But it was just the milk was being delivered, laundry sitting outside. Uh, it was just stepping back a hundred years, what life must have been like. It was so amazing that I wanted to like just be there. Yeah. So I printed things from there. So they're in my room. My friend that I went on a hike with gave me an amazing gift where it's a box, a photo box of all of the places in that one village because oh, that one cool. village spoke to my soul in like simplicity and happiness but you just saw people moving everyone talked to you it was just such a different world than where we live here Mm -hmm. because everyone talked to you had conversations it was if you were eating on the trail and people from italy passed by buon appetito and it was just a conversation and a goodwill everything was about communicating and connecting with people the whole time it was it was incredible nice so coming back to the States, you know, what can, what can we do to kind of emulate that, to take, you know, what they're still doing, but with all of our technological advances, you know, where's the balance and what have you thought about as you returned? So what I do do is I grocery shop every day, <laughs> <laughs> which sounds crazy. And sometimes I even have to go to Walmart, but I, I pick, it's almost every day. So I buy for two days, mm-hmm. sometimes three but I generally go to a store to get what I'm going to eat and I decide what I'm eating that day based on what I see. Yeah. But nice. I, ha- I do have my staple foods, but it's, I, I just like the fresh, I've tried to put in fresh foods and yeah. so I only eat fresh foods Yeah. and I have a farm across the street so you can get eggs there yeah, or right. I, it's, it's about enjoyment. And when I, so I used to work and eat at the same time. Mm-hmm. And since I've come back, I do not touch my computer. Okay. And even if I'm eating by myself, I sit so and eat my food, sit at the table, yeah, eat my food and enjoy it, even if it's just me. Savor it, right? Yeah. It takes, tastes better. Yeah. It really does. And I definitely am more like we live in New England where people are cold, I think. Mm-hmm. And you look like a crazy person if you're saying hi to everybody at the grocery store. <laughs> but I do it because... I really liked it. And the other thing that I picked up there, um, here, and I think this is maybe a woman thing, you say, I'm sorry if you bump into someone. In France, I'm sorry is only used for like, you have smacked someone across the (laughs) face. I mean, you have really hurt them. Is I'm sorry. It's excusez-moi. So you're saying excusez-moi all the time because you're in someone's way or whatever. And I feel like here, as women, culturally, we say I'm sorry all Mm -hmm. the time. And it loses the weight of what I'm sorry is. Mm-hmm. So I did inundate, like I do use excuse me and not, I do not say I'm sorry for everything mm-hmm. anymore. It's 
I'm sorry recently, for what it's a purpose. I recently heard from a friend that uh, he started, he, I think he was living in New York. This is uh, Sean Matta Savage. Um, when he would bump into someone, instead of saying sorry, he started saying surprise. <laughs> and it totally like changed That's a good one. The, the connection. Yeah. There. But I think it takes away the weight of what I'm sorry means. <laughs> yeah. And it also makes you feel badly and it's, it's a mistake. Yeah, it's, that can build over me. time if yeah. you're constantly feeling as you're in people's way or yeah it is it's a feeling of i'm i'm not valued and own that space you own that space yeah. and i've come into your space yeah. it's excuse me our spaces collided nice so there's more of a light-hearted uh, community feel it there. is it's everyone talks to everybody what about the mindset and you know you come back and you're doing all this hard work surrounding photography but how can you also keep some of that simplicity and simple mindset i think particularly within? in my business I like to have conversations with my clients mm -hmm. and know about what's going on in their world because yes, they're here to get their pictures taken, but I can do better at capturing them if I know the essence of what their world is about and yeah. what drives them, what moves them or whatever. So for my business, a lot of conversations happening beforehand about their needs, wants, desires. But then I also want to know who are you? What, what are you going through today? Mm -hmm. Like what, what's your struggle or what's your, your, what'd you just make it through or what are you celebrating? Those sorts of things. So, I, I have an opportunity to learn from every person. You have an opportunity to learn from every person you come in contact mm -hmm. through. That's wasted time if you spend something, some time with someone and don't get to know a little piece of them. Yeah. You, you, you took away from yourself and you took away from an opportunity from them too. Mm -hmm. Like you have an opportunity to become a better person, a stronger person, or some, some little tidbit that you have to offer me mm -hmm. and I have to offer you. And that's every person you come in contact with. So in my business... The session is whatever time, but I've blocked off about twice to four times as much time yeah. to make sure that I got to know that person. Mm. And if I already know that person because they've been a long-term client, know what's going on in their world right now. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I can tell that it leads to you taking better pictures of these folks and giving them something more valuable for them. But then also, like you said... Um, you know, I've been talking to people through this podcast and that for, for, for me has been somewhat of a challenge because I'm more introverted, but I knew that it was that I had to pursue that and that I wanted to get out and have these conversations with people and that, you know, I want to approach each person, each person as like, they have some, they know something that I don't know mm -hmm. and they have something valuable. So in a way these people, you know, you're having all these great conversations with them and they're giving back to you. So it's kind of a, it is. It is like therapy for them and me. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it really is. But I think that it creates an amazing experience too because I think that everyone wants to share mm -hmm. themselves with the world and mm -hmm. wants to be heard and wants to be felt and wants to be seen. Mm -hmm. And so doing that for each person that you come in contact with betters you because mm -hmm. you can learn and it helps them. Yeah, like, it's creating, I guess, validation. Yeah, for both and people. value. Like yeah. you're valuable. I'm valuable. We're all valuable. And none of us are the same. You come from all these different roads you take to come to be you right now at this minute. Mm -hmm. And I took my 9 million roads to here, here to be. And so I've seen and experienced, and, and my view of something is going to be different than yours because of my journey to get to this point. Mm -hmm. And the thing that I've realized, particularly in struggles that I've had as of late, is that I, you're going to see the world through your eyes of what you've gone through and I'm going to see the world through my eyes of what I've gone through and I don't know what you've gone through and I need to be lenient and allow you to see it in your way 
and me to see it in my way. Hmm. Yeah. Because you don't know, I don't know what you went through this morning. Maybe this morning something really horrible happened to you, mm -hmm. particularly when you're dealing with someone who's grumpy or whatever out there in the world. To make a quick snap judgment of mm -hmm. someone is really a disservice because you've had a rough day at some point too. Mm -hmm. And nobody knows what you went through that day. So every personality that you're coming to, when you treat them with kindness, Yes, some people don't deserve it because they're horrible and mean, whatever. Mm -hmm. But maybe your little bit of kindness allows them to snap out for a second and see. It's kind of like that. What was that commercial? I think it's State Farm. I don't know. It was a really long time ago. One person would let, let someone go. Then it would start a chain yeah, reaction yeah. of kindness. But I, I think that every day I try to let someone go because yeah. I think hopefully I just did a good deed that goes and moves on. Of and course, I yeah. think that every day I'm trying to do good deeds for people. For the good deed to spread mm -hmm. i call it a karma bank yeah and i think that i'm always trying to make as many deposits into my karma bank as possible yeah. so that when i need it it's there yeah yeah i think of karma a lot too but one thing that's difficult is that you don't know when it's going to come back no and it comes back in a different manifestation usually mm -hmm. so but and it's faith right it is and the other thing i think that this falls in line with giving so mm -hmm. I'm asked to give a lot, which mm -hmm. I do, um, but I have put a limit on how much I can give because I can't give too much. There's only so much that you can give. But sometimes when you give a gift, you're upset with somehow the way that someone used the gift. Sure. Oprah said this a long time ago, and I do love me some Oprah, but she said, when you give, that's that good feeling. You just enjoy that. Whatever they do with it, you got to let that go because mm -hmm. you gave it for them to have the freedom to give. So like... Yes, I'm giving karma. I'm hoping that, I'm, but I don't know when I'm going to get it. I don't know how I'm going to get it. I just have faith that it will come back and reward me and somehow. And that's not really why I'm giving. I'm, I'm giving for that. But mm -hmm. it makes you feel really good to give. Mm -hmm. And if you're not feeling that good feeling, then you're not giving in the right way. Yes, yeah, so you're giving with some type of expectation. Yes, you have to give with the happiness that you made someone happy that day. It either helped them which makes you feel good. And mm -hmm. if, if you're not giving and feeling that, then something's wrong. You're doing something wrong. Mm -hmm. And you need to examine why and how you're giving yeah. or what you're giving. Maybe you're giving the wrong thing. So you mentioned a lot of you know difficulties that uh, people may be going through in their lives and, and trying to you know meet up with them or help them through that type of thing. And you've been doing a lot like this hiking um, and a lot of the things you do, you seem to take on a lot of challenges and give it your all mm -hmm. and overcome them. Um, how has that provided you with a foundation to approach other aspects of your life? Uh, so I think life is hard AF. It really is. <laughs> it really is. Every day is challenges. <clears throat> Every day is hard. And if things were easy, then you would never appreciate them. Mm -hmm. So struggle is there for everyone. My level of struggle might be different than your level of struggle. Someone who's going through cancer, their level of struggle, if you're looking at all, might be way higher, but it's about perspective. So my level of perspective is, is that my level is hard for me. Your level is hard for you. I it's like all that there. you said that because everyone feels like their stuff is the so most stuff heavy. that everyone's, yeah. that anyone can take. And to you it is. Right. At this moment, that is the toughest thing you've had yeah. to go through. And I think that pushing yourself physically, mentally, whatever you're doing to try something new and overcoming, that is making you stronger in character for when times are tough. 
because they will be. And I have struggled through what I feel is one of the hardest falls, winter start. And I made it on the other side and I feel like how I knew, I just kept going because I've been, I've pushed myself strong a hard before. Mm-hmm. And you never know that you can get there. You just have to have the faith and keep pushing and keep trying every day. I think the other day I had my favorite quote, which I didn't know. Can I find it? No, go for it. Okay. So <laughs> I had put it on my Instagram mm-hmm. and someone wrote, leave it to you to see it that way because I didn't see it any other way. Oh, really? I only saw, uh, it's by C.S. Lewis. Yeah. Isn't it funny how day by day nothing changes, but when you look back, everything is different. Mm-hmm. I saw that as... You keep plugging away every day. Keep trying. Keep pushing. Put whatever you need to. Maybe there's this big project or something is so daunting. And every day you put a little bit in. Eventually you got there and you, you did it. And you look it. back and you did it. And and one of my friends was like, my friend that I went hiking with, uh-huh. I'm not sure whether C.S. Lewis meant it this way, but leave it to you to read this as a spur to self-improvement. So like, I can only see it that way. Right. You probably read it and saw it some other way, but it's perspective. <laughs> But I think that whatever seems so daunting or so struggling, sometimes just getting up and doing your day was all you could do. Mm. Sometimes going to work took so much strength to do because you're battling something so heavy. But I feel like if every day you put a little bit of effort into fixing whatever the problem is or working towards whatever it is, eventually, two weeks, two months, however long it is, two years, sometimes the battle's that long, Mm -hmm. you can look back and, and you made it through. But... Everyone has those things. Everything is a struggle to someone at some point. Well, what about when you just have to, I mean, it's kind of like you're recommending just put one foot in front of the other during some of those hard times. Sometimes, yeah. How do you do that when uh, when you don't feel up, up to it? Just got to do it. I, I Pull up your big girl panties and do it. Yeah. Like, I, I love my Peloton. I could talk about my Peloton until I'm blue in my face. Yeah. So whoever doesn't know what a Peloton is, it's this at-home bike. They have an instructor. You log in. You can do these rides. Mm-hmm. You can choose 10 minutes, 20 minutes, whatever you want. You can, you can compete with You're competing against yourself, people who are riding it right then, and people who have ever taken this ride all in the eternity of Peloton. Okay. If you're taking a live ride, you're only competing with people right then. Yeah. But as you're riding, let's say you're doing a 20-minute ride, you're seeing your time on previous 20-minute rides at that minute. So you're competing with yourself, and you're competing with who's there right now. Yeah. And all the people. Some days I am so tired and I don't want to work out. I personally work out because I have autoimmune issues. So I had Lyme disease. I feel like if I don't work out, my body hurts. Mm -hmm. But some days I'm tired. Some days I worked all day really hard and I don't want to work out. Mm -hmm. This is a perfect analogy to I get on my bike anyway and I say I'm going to do a 20 minute low impact ride. The first five minutes are hard. I am tired. I'm drinking. I'm barely, I'm just phoning it in. Because for me, I know I needed to get this workout done. I'm going to get over with. Something happens in the last two minutes. I'm kicking ass. All of a sudden, (laughs) I've beaten my PR. I have no idea how it happens. It's just this drive. And then I get off and the ride's done. And I'm like, eh, I want to do another 20 minutes. So I I started out not wanting to work out. I was too tired. (laughs) But you just clip in. You clip in and you go. And I think that in life, sometimes it's tough. Sometimes just getting out of bed is tough. Mm -hmm. But you have to get out of bed, have a tea, have a coffee, have whatever it is. Mm -hmm. Find something that makes you happy. For me, it's food. So maybe I make my favorite breakfast. But 
something to get started. And once you get going, everything just happens. You get going. Mm -hmm. And there are people dealing with horrible, traumatic, difficult things. But every day, you've just got to try. And one of my really good friends has stage four cancer. And some days are tough. Some days are really, really hard. He doesn't want to eat. He doesn't, everything makes him sick. But there is one thing that you can find that he's willing to try to put into his body. Hmm. So it might be a shake from here. And while I try to get him to eat healthy, I will go get him this peanut butter Reese's shake because that's what he wants to put in his body. And you got to do what you got to do. And some days you have to do something to make it work. But once you get one item, once he gets one item of food in, his belly settles and he's willing to put more in later. But I look at that with life, with the Peloton, with anything, just take the step. One step, and maybe you need to hold someone's hand while you take the step. Someone mm. needs to help support you take that step. But once you take a step, you're able to take the next step. Yeah, nice. Get it in motion. I don't love the phrase, fake it till you make it, um, because I, I don't necessarily believe in a lot of faking it, but mm-hmm. I think the idea of, of um, going through the motions, sometimes you have to go through the motions yep. when you're feeling terrible. And, and doesn't like mean you, you have said, to have a fake smile on your face though. Oh, there you go. <laughs> but you can build on it yeah. as you, as you gain some momentum. Mm-hmm. Very cool. Yeah. I think just going. Yeah. And I, I mean, I know people dealing with horrible things. I have clients who have lost babies, you know, that have passed upon being birthed. Like there are some tough struggles out there, mm. but I watch those people over years and they keep going and eventually they have another, whatever it is, that baby that you lost has is still holding that precious moment, that precious. Mm. But you have to keep going, and and that's life. Like it might be a minor struggle to some, it might be a major struggle. That's part of this journey that we're on is to learn and to grow, to push, to struggle, to rebound from that struggle, to just keep going, mm. and it's a roller coaster. Nice so enjoy the ride. Yeah, right. Wherever it is. Okay. Yeah. Can we go back to uh, the start of photography? If I remember correctly, is it stillborn photos that you took at the beginning? I did. Yeah. Can you talk um, about that? So I had owned two previous businesses, and I really wanted to get into photography. And it sounds really crazy, but I sold my other business. I bought a camera without ever taking... Can you just say what the business was? Sure. Um, so my first business, I... Back, this is before anyone had anything. You put cloth diapers on your shoulder. Oh, that's right, I started a, a company where it was like designer baby goods. Okay. And it got really big. Um, I had over 100 stores carrying it. And it was in People Magazine. It was voted into the Vogue Hall of Fame. Like all this sorts of stuff. Big things happened with it. Yeah. Like celebrities were buying it. It was a big deal. Um, and then I sold that to have a magazine where I was reviewing all these mom-based businesses. Because those were just starting. And yeah. so... Then I sold that business to become a photographer. And within one month, I had 70 clients. It was crazy. <laughs> I can't. Ex- I think it's because I have just such a drive to go, 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 mm-hmm. give up, eat, sleep, drink, whatever I'm doing, 100%. I find the Kool-Aid, make the Kool-Aid, drink the Kool-Aid, and it's all I do. Do you remember what drew you to cameras and photography? So the, the business with the magazines, yep. I had cover photos. Sure. And so re- having these cover photos, photographers would submit. And what really did it for me was someone had submitted one and they told the story of 
this program called Now I Lay Me Down to Sleep. And it is a um, volunteer effort by photographers who go and take pictures of babies who have passed, oh. either in womb and, and their birth or mm -hmm. immediately after. And so I read this story. I cried my eyes out. I had just had um, my own baby. So it was hormonal, all that mm -hmm. sorts of stuff. It was so moving to me. And I, in that moment, I said, I want to be a photographer and I want to do that. Okay. And so um, one month later, I had a full client roster and I had done my first, now I lay me down to sleep. Oh. Um, and were you, you weren't only doing those, you were doing a full... Yeah, I had just started shooting, but I knew that I wanted to volunteer for that. Yeah. So um, I did that. My business grew over time, so that's that's how that happened. Oh. Turns out I bought the wrong kind of camera that didn't work the lighting. Like nothing, nothing. I had to rebuy a whole new camera. Like if there was definitely struggles. I'm not saying I just whipped right, into right. it. It was yeah. amazing and uh, you know like hard hard work with everything. If you work really really hard, you could do anything you wanted to do, but you have to be willing to give up on everything else and put 100% in. So I remember, again, we, we've only um, like, like uh, communicated a couple times over the years doing pictures. And uh, I remember something you said on like the initial meeting and it was about other photographers in the space um, and kind of people wondering, you know, how you were doing it and what you were doing. And a lot of people like wanted, I think this was it, a lot of people wanted like easy answers from you on like, you know, how do you do that? And, and you expressed that, you know, I had to find it by all that effort and grinding and figuring out myself and spending hours with a camera and, and, but people wanted these like quick answers. Like, how do you do it? Yeah. I, I mean, I think everybody wants a quick answer mm -hmm. and nothing in this mm -hmm. life that's worth anything is a quick answer. Mm -hmm. And I wouldn't be me who I am if I didn't learn all the ways you have to fail, you have to make mistakes, you have you learn more from mistakes and failures than you do from just instantly getting it. Mm -hmm. And I think anyone who wants a business, whatever it is, if you aren't willing to do the work, you're gonna you're gonna be done. Your business will not make it past a couple years. Mm -hmm. Even if you have somehow make it one to two years, it's mm -hmm. it's unlikely to grow if you're not willing to put yourself out there and try and learn and, and do things. Mm -hmm. Did that answer that question? Yeah, Go totally. Ahead. Okay. I was trying to remember back to exactly what it was about, but that stuck with me. I do. Uh, I have a lot of people email and be like, I'd like to be a photographer. Can you tell me what to do? Right. It's like, no. <laughs> no, girlfriend. Yeah. Figure it out on your own. If you want something, you've got to work for it. Now, over these years, um, when you were first starting, there, it was, there weren't as many people in the industry as there mm -hmm. are now, and it's... It's, it seems a little bit oversaturated because, it is. I mean, in a way, anyone can start uh, taking pictures. Um, so how, how has that affected you and what do you think about that? So at market? first, if I'm being super honest, it scared me. I was mm -hmm. like, oh, there's all these photographers. The reality is, is anyone could buy a camera tomorrow and say, I'm going to take pictures. Yeah. And there are people who take pictures and for $50 give you everything that they took. Mm -hmm. And some people are happy with that. I'm offering an experience. Um, obviously, I have to be talented to have survived for 11 years now. Mm -hmm. um, but it's an experience and emotional, and I hold your hands and do all of it with you. So I think that it's far more than just pictures. Mm -hmm. And what I worried about before is now silly because it doesn't matter how many photographers there are 
or how many hairstyles there are. Mm -hmm. If you offer a great product with a great service and time and energy and you have shown these people why you're valuable, you'll never lose your place in the business. Yeah. In a way, there's abundance in that there's there's enough out there for everyone doing mm-hmm. something well. There is. And what there are enough people. We have tons of someone does doesn't necessarily take away from no. you. And in fact, I don't ever look or watch or see any other photographers. Like in if I happen to see I don't like to see it because this is gonna be honest. Um we live in a social media world where everybody is look at me, I call it hashtag look at me, look at what I'm doing today, look at how great my life is, whatever. Mm-hmm. Um I don't really subscribe to that. I don't go on and search through Facebook or whatever. But I don't want to see what someone else is doing because it does, if I see something good, and this is being honest, and I think this is all people, you wonder, oh, is mine is that good? Mm-hmm. That's really good. Maybe I'm not that good. I don't want to feel that way. I also don't like if I saw someone's work and was like, ooh, I'm better than that. Like, I just don't, I don't care what someone else is doing because mm-hmm. it doesn't affect me. I only need to worry about me and my space and what I'm offering. Mm-hmm. And I think that people compare themselves a lot and I just, I don't want to compare myself. I don't, yeah. I don't want to feel that I'm not worthy enough or too worthy or what, whatever it is. Sure. I just want to be me and I don't want to be affected by someone else. Mm-hmm. In a way, do you see value that, you know, say like the single mom or someone can, can have a little side gig and make some money on the side with photography? Or do you think that waters down the market? So... This is where the catch 22, of course, someone should have a business and support themselves. I think that you have to value yourself. And I think there's people who don't value themselves. Maybe there is someone with the product they're offering is worth $50 because they just phoned it in. They took your picture. They left the hand it to you. They did nothing for you. Maybe that's worth $50. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know. I'm just saying as a person, you need to decide what your time is worth. When I'm working, I'm away from my family. I'm away from doing activities for me. I'm away from working on my house. I'm away from all the other things that I could be doing. And that's you too. Whomever is working, when you are working, are you valuing yourself to the amount of time you're giving away? Hmm. Could you be doing something else that you'd rather do that's worth more in your mind than the time you value yourself at? Opportunity cost. Yeah. I, I think that if you value yourself correctly and charge for what you value yourself, then that is a great thing, whatever you're doing. So hmm. I feel sadly for the person if they're doing it right so just for one client to have a mini session with me i spent several hours emailing back and forth to them setting up i do the shoot which i probably spend an hour in the shoot and talking maybe sometimes more afterwards i have to upload the images i have to color correct them put them in a gallery when they pick them they're going to edit them at the end of it i probably spent eight to ten hours with on one person mm-hmm. Eight to ten hours away from my kids, away from the mountains, away from my bike, mm-hmm. away from eating, away from whatever it is yeah. that fills me. Mm-hmm. What was that time worth to me? And I think everyone needs to assess what that time mm-hmm. was. So if a person just shows up, takes a picture, hands you the memory card, and you're done, yeah. that person worked 30 minutes to an hour. What mm-hmm. is their hour worth? What is my 10 hours worth yeah. to do that for you? Well, I like that. Instead of pricing your, and you're not necessarily doing this, but you're thinking about it. You're not only pricing the product, you're pricing your own intrinsic value mm-hmm. yeah. that you bring. And the reality is, particularly as a small business, if you're a good small business, so you're valued and you're wanted and you're busy, you need to say, I can't do everything. I, I can't do it all. I yeah. can't photograph 10 people every single day. 
So if, if you are good and low priced, you're going to be inundated and you can't do all that. You're going to burn yourself out. You're going to mess up clients. You're going to make mistakes that are going to cost your business by taking on too much. Mm -hmm. So you have to price right in what your time is because I can't shoot 50 people each week. Mm -hmm. I'm willing to give my time to 10 people. 10 people is 100 hours or 8 people. 8 people is 80 hours. So what can what are each of those clients needing to spend so that you don't have to work you can't work any more than that yeah. if you worked any more than that who are you you have no identity no fam, you know no family time sacrifice. so you just have to value what is your time worth and what are you putting in to these people mm -hmm. and does that equal what you're worth what your value is mm -hmm. if it turns out that you're making two dollars an hour because you didn't value your time enough that's wrong you're going to burn out you're not even going to make it a year you're going to be exhausted so I think for a lot of small businesses, no matter what it is, you have to say, okay, I'm worth this much time. I realize I'm starting and I'm new, so maybe I offer a discount right now, but I have to set my pricing at this price because you can't come into the market and say, $50, all your digital files, get good, and then six months later say, okay, now I charge $500. Right. You're going to lose all your client base because your client base was people who only wanted to spend $50. Yeah, right. So you need to say, I'm worth this amount of time, but I realize I'm new, so I'll discount, mm -hmm. but this is my value. Hmm. And don't do anything that you don't want to do. Once you're busy, I, I say no to things, but by saying no, that makes me be able to say yes to me and the, the things, things that, that I wanted want to do. do. So the more you want to do something and you do that, you're going to get more of that kind, whatever yeah. it is. Let's say you love doing flowers. You don't really like cutting the grass. You want to do flowers. Right. The more flowers you do and show, the more people are going to pay you to do flowers. Mm -hmm. That's just my bad, bad example. But no. But if you're willing to do flowers, trees, grass, clean their pool, yeah. do whatever, you're not the offering a value for any one thing. Yeah. You haven't excelled at any one thing. Mm -hmm. And you're not going to get more clients off of what you want to do if you're also cleaning pools. So you have to be conscious of that early because you're somewhat establishing so. a routine. Mm -hmm. And uh, I, there's this great book called The Alchemist by Paulo Coelho. And one of the quotes in there is, and, and I think you referred something to this earlier, is that when you make a decision, the world conspires to helping you achieve it. Mm -hmm. It's basically yeah. if you're going towards something like um, things start to happen circumstantially um, based on that decision. That like seems, attracts like. Or the power of yeah. positivity or whatever it is. Yes. Yeah. I totally believe in that. Hmm. I totally believe what you're sending out there is what you're going to get. Mm -hmm. But I think it more has to do with your showing this. Yeah. You're sh if you're showing what you want or mm -hmm. what you want to do or telling or asking, this person knows this person knows this person and it all falls into line. Yeah. But if you're doing a million things, you're, you, you're cheating yourself because you can't do a million things right. Yeah. right. No one can. Right. So you have to pick the thing you want to be good at and get good at it, no matter what it is. Yeah. It could be cutting hair. Maybe you're a bang specialist. Now everyone who wants good bangs <laughs> wants to come to you. It can be a really hard decision though because you wonder if that's. I think in the beginning be you're scrap. You need to make money, so you're taking every little thing. But the reality is, is if you want to be a successful business, mm -hmm. you cannot do everything. You have to pick what you want to do and show that. Make and that sure means hard work and sacrifice. Like, no, my business did not come together immediately. Yes, I had lots of clients, mm -hmm. but that's because I worked really, really hard behind the scenes. I don't think I slept for about three years. I'm not kidding you. I worked <laughs> until 3 a.m. every morning and got up at 7. 
that's important to start it again. Yes, nothing. And it took three years of pounding it out like that Mm -hmm. to make it get to the point where I felt like it worked. While I felt successful, I was having clients. I didn't feel like I got it working for that long. Nothing falls together. Nothing. And and if it did, it wouldn't be worth it to you. Mm -hmm. It wouldn't be special. That's like, important. It has clear. to be challenging and hard for it to have a value to you. And that's the other thing for the person who's charging $50. Does your client value what they got? Yeah. I don't think so. Right. But let's say someone spent $500 and they designed their set for exactly mm-hmm. what they want. That value feels mm-hmm. more important to them. To me, again, I'm a photographer. So I'd rather have memories and moments than five new sweaters from the gap or yeah. TJ Maxx or whatever. Yeah. I think that's another thing. People shop, shop, shop and waste money on foolish things. Mm-hmm. Consuming. And yes. So, hmm. but I look at the world a little different, I think. Yeah, I think there's something to be said for how you feel when you walk away from a situation. Yeah. Whether it be a transaction. Does that last one fleeting moment and it's done? Or does it last, is right. it a longer happiness level? Yeah. And for me, my pictures that I see make me happy every day. Yeah. And like, I, I don't know, whoever is doing whatever, like, I can't even come up with it, but like clothing mm-hmm. doesn't, I'm a quality versus quantity person anyway. Yeah. So instead of going to buy five black sweaters mm-hmm. that cost $15 each at TJ Maxx, I'm going to spend and buy one black sweater that I'm going to own for 10 years. And treat it really nicely. Yes. Yeah. Quality. Uh, one thing I noticed on your website as well, um, at least personally for you, is that you've established some goals and you actually put them right on your website mm-hmm. and it's cool. People can see your 2019 it, goals. It means I have to skydive this year. Yeah. <laughs> it's going to be fun. And now there's that social... Want to come? <laughs> nothing about this. But there's that social pressure, which a lot of people say you should do with your goals and put them up oh, there. Yeah. Um, and you, you must also have some business goals too, um, but... What can, I mean, do you do this every year? You every year. And you write them down? I have what I call a lifelong bucket list and a yearly bucket list. And sometimes I even do a monthly bucket list. It's just, uh, I want to make sure I'm trying and doing new things uh, every single year. So like last year's was, I wanted to hike some massive, major, significant thing. And so I went and did the Tour de Mont Blanc. Mm-hmm. This year, my number one like scary thing that makes me want to vomit and pee my pants when I think about it is skydiving. Isn't that right in town? Isn't there one right around here? There's too? one in skydive, at skydive New England, so I think I'm gonna do that. So I had taken one step closer to it when I was in France. Um, you could see people. It's uh, it's called sky flying is the translation into English, yeah. but um, it's basically where your tandem with someone. It's like a what. Hang gliding? Paragliding. Yeah, something like yeah, that. Yeah, something like that. And so I jumped off a mountain at 9,500 feet. Oh, wow. Attached to this man, which yeah. was so terrifying because I, I had planned it in the beginning of the trip because I saw the people doing it. And then on the last day of the trip is when I did it. And they, you don't really get any prep or whatever. Like, there's no class. And so they just tell you you're going to run. <laughs> and so you run to, to the edge of the mountain and jump. Okay. And that'll and you're running together. Yeah, you're running like, with a man attached to you, and, which is hard. <laughs> and so um, the first time I got right to the edge, and he goes, no, 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 stop, 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 stop. And he pulled me back, and I was like, oh, my God, we almost just fell off a cliff of the yeah. mountain. 
And my friend had taken off first, so he was way ahead of me. And so he made me redo it because everything has to line up with the air. And so my guy, we ended up going, and he was this very macho Frenchman who was like, I am the best sky flyer in the world. <laughs> and so he was like, I'm going to take you really high. So we jumped off 9,500. He told me we estimated about 12,500 feet. Oh, you can feet. go up from there. So he's very talented. So the... he catched the drifts. the drifts, whatever. <laughs> he brought me up so high that the mountain I had jumped off of looked so tiny. So what? somewhere between twelve and thirteen thousand feet, which is where you sky jump from, where you okay. jump when you're in a thing. So what made me at first? It was so overwhelming that I cried hysterically. Were and you he, saying no, no, no? Let's go down. Or no, no. Were, it was what? just so emotional. I like words can't even describe what okay, it feels yeah. like. Like. Mont Blanc is right in front of you. There are these beautiful mountains and you are weightless and the air is like blowing against you. It was so emotional that I was just crying and he's like, don't worry, I won't tell anyone. Just, just cry it out. It's okay. So like after a few minutes of crying, because it was just so mind blowingly incredible, he's like, I'm going to take you high. So he took me really high. And then once you get really high, there are these currents and the air is so strong. So he's telling you like what to do. You have to lean or whatever. So I had taken my camera because I wanted to take pictures. He had told me this, but it was like broken French English. So I didn't quite remember it or realize it. But I looked through my camera to take the picture and I got really sick right away because you have to be staring straight. So we were up. Yes, we were so high and I was like... Oh, I don't feel good. And when you, so sky flying, you're like coasting, which feels really good. It feels like nothing. And then when you turn to come back, you're fighting the air. So you're like jostling and he's telling you which way to lean. And it's just so overwhelming. And it was so jostling that then I started feeling sick. So then I was like, oh no, I'm going to throw up. And then he was like, there's a bag on your left. So I just touched the bag. And then after a couple minutes, I was like, okay, I don't feel good. And so he's like, okay, so... So they he have was a puke bag that they bring? Yeah. So that, you have a puke bag a puke on your bag. body. So then I took the puke bag out just to hold it. So I rolled it and I'm holding it in my hands. And I'm, he's like, do you want to go back? I go, no, I want to go down. It's supposed to last up to two and a half hours. My ride lasts wow. 45 minutes because I couldn't take yeah, it. I needed, I needed to get down. Had it been like a 15 minute ride, I would have been like, sweet. That was the yeah. best experience of my life. And so I rolled it down. So then it got to the point where I had to start breathing through the bag. So I'm like, <gasps> and I felt so sick that I couldn't enjoy the rest of it. And, it's and he's zigzagging you down as fast as you can. And so then right before you land, he tells you he's either going to tell you to pull up your legs and sit, or he's going to tell you to run. And he tells you the reason why is if you land and the string comes over and it, then the air pulls it back up, you can have your head cut off. Oh. So they're telling you this as you're like going down and you're stressed out and I'm sick and it's just, and so we land and he said, okay, legs out. And so I had my legs out and then he said, no, 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 run, run, run. And I had landed and you're just so, and I couldn't run. And so he's like running and tripping over me and the street and it was, and so then I just laid on the ground for about 15 minutes straight and didn't move. And then afterwards walking around the city all day, I felt so sick. It probably took three days to get the sickness away. But what I've decided is skydiving is the good part where you're just going. It's yeah. the back and forth that was horrible. Yeah. So I'm ready to skydive. I really am. I just cool. need to find a victim that wants to do it with me. <laughs> Nobody wants to. I, I will think about it. Think about it. Think <laughs> long and hard. Yeah. Either way, I'm going to do it this summer. Cool. But yes, That's I think that being accountable and setting a goal and saying that out loud means you'll do it.
Yeah, it's very important. And tell lots of people. That way, you like if you just tell one person, you're yeah. like, yeah, no, I'm not doing right. that. But if you tell everyone, you have to do it. So there's this, there's this idea that if you tell people certain things about a goal, and they give you positive feedback for it. I don't know if you've heard this, that it can uh, somewhat demotivate you in some senses because you already achieved some sort of positive feedback. Like, uh, I'm going to lose weight. And then you tell your friends, um, like, I'm I'm one pound down or two pounds down. And your friends are like, oh, that's so great. Well, you've already achieved some positive feedback, so now you're not going to put as much effort in. Really? I mean, I still think you should establish goals and talk about them. But you have to be careful, I think, with sharing too much about it um, early on, maybe, or something like that. I haven't read into it enough. I feel like me saying what I'm going to do holds me accountable that I have to do it. Yeah. If I say it just in my head, I, I can weasel out of it yeah. if I'm scared of it. Yeah. And I usually pick something that's pretty scary <laughs> yeah. every year. These are concrete, um, yeah. big goals. So. Yeah. I mean, I guess if I was saying that I wanted to lose five pounds, yeah. I mean, whoever does, really. And who can, I guess, I guess, and who can tell if you did or not, that yeah. could be part yeah. of it. Like if you skydive, we're going to know. Yeah. <laughs> no, I guess all my things are visible goals yeah. that people would see and know that they cool. have. Cool. So I wrote down all your, your yearly goals. Can we talk about oh, a couple course. more of them? This is a lot. 10,000 foot mountain, which is the one out in uh, Colorado. Yep. I'm definitely doing it. And hike in the Grand Canyon. That'll be So beautiful. I was supposed to go hike in the Grand Canyon. They have a lottery that bids open. Oh. On one day, it sold out in one hour. So my friend and I that were trying to get our bid, we missed it. So that's why I have to go do Colorado or California instead. Grand Canyon will have to move to next year, hopefully. It's our, all of our national parks are being inundated by people, Mm -hmm. particularly because of Facebook, social media, where it's like, oh, this amazing waterfall. And so people... Go get a picture with the waterfall. Yes, but they're not hiking (laughs) there. And so this place, you can be helicoptered out. You can take a... Uh, donkey out but yeah. I wanted to hike the 30 right. miles out to it yeah. but so yes that has to be put off that's fine um, learn to swim I'm actually a terrible swimmer uh-huh. and this is cool that is on my definite list for the summer so will you take swim lessons or just swimming lessons yeah. I tried doing myself I need the commitment of someone making me yeah, do it and get better yeah because once I started biking I think on my goal list, I don't know if I put this on for this year, uh, I want to do a, century. a baby oh. triathlon. Yep, sprint triathlon. Mm-hmm. Yeah, what are the numbers with that? So you only have to ride like 15 miles. Like I can ride 60, 70 miles right now. 60 miles is a definite. I can't do the century yet. Okay. That's on the goal. That's 100 miles. But uh, sprint triathlon is 14 or 15 miles. Three miles of running, and then the swimming, I think, is 200 feet, which to me is the most terrifying thing on the planet. 200 feet? Yeah. So, what is the length of so the one, I, I could get you to commit to this one with me. The Pumpkin <laughs> Man is in like September. I've already put it on my calendar. I'm really thinking hard about it. Yeah. And it's a lake. So, instead of, so most of them are like ocean water, which is so terrifying to me. This one's yeah. like a pond yeah. that you go out it's and back. It's going to be cold in September, but that is doable. That's the big deal doable but the race starts with the water so like okay. you're starting off with the worst thing yeah, to me on the planet <laughs> no if i could end with that i think i'd be like you already got it like right. just do this just get there but no if i have to start with this thing that's the most terrifying thing on the planet to me mm. i yeah so i have to learn how to swim so take some lessons mm-hmm. cool um and 
new stamp on your passport. Yes, I need to go somewhere. Yeah. Any ideas? I have not picked where, but it'll involve hiking or biking. So my friend, one of my friends, he has stage four cancer. So we're working on his bucket list of going somewhere. So the other day we joked and came up with this and I think I would love to make this happen, but he wants to rent a scooter and I'll have a bike and we'll bike oh, yeah. through Austria. That would be so cool. <laughs> <laughs> so I want to go somewhere, somewhere probably in Europe. Nice. Yeah. Maybe mount a camera and do videos of the... I just think it would be like so funny because if yeah, he's on like a little Vespa and I'm on a real bike awesome. and then he's waiting for me he's at the like, top of it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> nice. Um, the Pemi Loop in a day. Okay. Loop, what is that? Yeah. Like? So I, there's two major hiking goals for New Hampshire. One is the presidentials in a day, which I did that one in the fall. So that's all eight of the presidential range. So it equals like 21,000 feet in elevation gain or no, it was 21 miles. And now I got to think of the elevation again, 14,000 feet in elevation again, something significant. Mm -hmm. The Pemi Loop, so that was eight mountains. The Pemi Loop is 14 mountains, 33 miles, and I think it's still around that 14,000 feet of elevation gain. So I want to do that in a day. Most people do that in four days as a backpack. Crazy people do it in two, and the real psychos do it in one day. <laughs> so I want to be psycho. Wow. Yeah. Cool. This year. And do you have a friend that will do that with you? Your I have buddy? one that I think so, but otherwise I've committed that I could do it by myself. Okay. Have you done a lot of hiking on your own? Yeah, a lot. Do you Almost recommend? all of them by myself. Oh, okay. I don't recommend it for anyone starting. Um, I think that you have to be really experienced. Just and for have, safety. And have come across some bad, scary crap so that you're mentally prepared. Mm -hmm. The mental game of hiking by yourself is way more intense than anything you could ever imagine. Mm. You could hear little tiny, like squirrels could move mm. and you think they sound like bears. <laughs> it's, it really is a mental game when you're hiking by yourself, yeah. especially when snow is involved. Like I've hiked solo with snow, it, it can get scary. I, I did something really dumb earlier on in my hiking experience. And so after doing a few dumb things, you get more intelligent about the risk out there. Mm -hmm. And there is a great risk yeah. in hiking by yourself. It's very risky, particularly on weekdays, which is when I'll hike. So no one else is out, no there. Else is out there. Many times in the winter, you can hike and never see another person hmm. the whole day. On which a weekend, great. it's great for the <laughs> mental experience. Right. Yeah. And the people that I hike with that have become hiking friends, everyone that I hike with is pretty, like we have our own quiet time. Like we'll talk yeah. and have snacks together, but you can spend time on your own. So your brain is just yeah going everywhere and nowhere all at the same time yeah. but um by yourself that gets a lot it gets to be a lot sometimes i start singing or i talk to myself by the end of a solo hike mm -hmm. you've got this you're almost there <laughs> you got like no we're almost there you can do this like it's a lot of talking to myself just because the mental game is so intense when you're solo hmm. good to know um a live peloton class in nyc yes that's so when you hit a milestone on the Peloton, they call you out. So if you're in a live class on your bike in your home, yeah. so when I hit 100, my favorite writer, who, her name is Allie Love, she did a Miss Shay Shay, congratulations, 100 really? rides. So I really want to go to New York. New York. Um, my 200 ride is in 30 rides. So that's probably like 15 to 20 days maybe or up to 30 days. 
So I'm trying to be there for 200. I want to be there for 200. So my friend, I'm trying to get him on his bucket list is to do, he's a firefighter and he wants to do a ride along with the New York city fire department. So I'm trying to coordinate his bucket list with my bucket list so we can go together and get it done. (laughs) Otherwise I'll probably just take the train and go and take a class. It's important to me. I don't really know why I think because I have been through struggles this winter and this instructor, this particular instructor is so motivating and so it's like therapy when I'm on the bike with her and I just feel like I've got to say a big thank you to her in person for getting me through. Like her class, her motivation, her words have on tough days made the difference for me. Hmm. Yeah, I didn't, I guess I didn't know that was a piece of it. But that's oh, it's huge. it's tremendous. I mean, there's different instructors based on what you need. Mm-hmm. Like, there's the one who yells at you like a crazy psycho. There's gentle. There's there's all these different instructors. But this one particular instructor, she is the most positive. She says things that are like, I swear, she said them just to me. Like, yeah. I have cried on my bike from yeah. the words that she's saying. Sometimes she's talking about you're enough. You are valued. You are worthy. You are like those types of affirmance sometimes mm-hmm. she's talking about forgiveness and who is it that you need to forgive and you need to forgive yourself and and someone out there to forgive just let it go like or talking about just showing up half the world just phones it in you're there like anyone can start but who can finish not mm-hmm. many finish you can finish like it's it's exactly what I need to hear on that day that just is so motivating to me as a human mm-hmm. I mean, it's so intense that I have to have my phone next to me so that when I hear something amazing, I, I say it into my phone so it records. Have a reminder. Yeah. It's oh, just, nice. it's that overwhelming. Yeah. Yeah. I've had some yoga teachers that in particular can really just like dial into what you need at that time yeah. emotionally and just yeah. bring you right to tears at the end of a class or yeah. something. And it's probably something that everyone could be hearing. It just is so yeah. resonating. And I guess when classes don't resonate, it's because you didn't need that message. Yeah. But if you need a message and, and she gives them like left and right, it is, it's so powerful. So I just feel like I want to be there. Not only do I want to be there, I want to be in the top. Uh, I really like to be the top woman. Yes. So like with Peloton, (laughs) when I started, I was in the top 20 to 30% of women because it's, you know, you can calculate it, tell you what number you are. Mm -hmm. And in the last, then I got to be in the top 5%. Now I'm sometimes in the top one to three percent, and like I get really excited when I'm top one yeah. percent, and when I can beat myself or be the like top one percent is pretty cool. Mm. Or whatever. so is this a time thing, and the whoever goes further in that time frame is no, it's uh it? like you earn output based on your cadence and your resistance. So okay. resistance is how hard you're biking, cadence is how fast you're biking. So those two numbers come together to create an output. So is that calories or not necessarily? Output and calories are a little different. So like if my output was 180, I'd probably burn 220 calories. Okay. There is a correlation. Yeah, there's something. some number, but your output has to do with those two numbers. And so gotcha. you win by having the highest output. Oh, cool. Yeah. Nice. So I love it because I need that drive. I need to be pushing myself for me to have a satisfying day. To nice. feel like I accomplished something in a day, I need to push myself farther than I did the day before. Mm-hmm. Cool. You mentioned that goal is, uh, you're not sure why, you, or you don't, you don't know if you need to actually go and do that one. And that could, 
like a lot of our own goals can be pretty arbitrary, mm-hmm. but isn't it still like really important to just get some and dial in? Oh yeah. And even so some of them might've been that you needed the start of it and you got the feeling that you needed and you can assess that that goal, you don't actually need to mm-hmm. get that goal. It depends on what it was. Do I need to go to New York anymore? Probably not, but because I said it, I'd like to do it. Yeah. Does it need to be 200? Maybe not. Maybe I can't make it happen for 200. I make it for 300. It's just more so of I got the place where I said I was going to get. Yeah. Because for me, internally, the only person you're ever cheating by not doing a goal, completing a goal, is yourself. Mm-hmm. You're not cheating anyone else. So to cheat makes yeah. no sense. Right. You only cheated yourself. Yeah. So for me... It's just to show myself that I did it. I did something I said I was going to do. And for me, that's the most important thing. Doing what you say and committing to something that you want to do. And it might shift over time. It could shift over time. You might change that goal based on once you got in, you realized that wasn't enough for me or that's that's not attainable realistically. Mm -hmm. Because sometimes some goals aren't realistic. Like before I thought I wanted to hike a seventh summit, which is one of the on all seven continents, there's what the tallest mountain was. Mm -hmm. And originally that was a goal that I thought of. And now I've decided, no, I have zero interest in doing it. Oh wow. I don't want, if I were to do one, it would be Denali, which is in Alaska. Mm -hmm. The easiest one is Kilimanjaro. And I, I don't have really any desire anymore to do something easy. I don't Mm -hmm. like, if I'm going to do it, I want to do it hard. And then I don't want to do Everest. That's not, to me, even sounds fun mm-hmm. to deprive yourself of food, drink for three months, lying in people's poo and pee. And like that, <laughs> to, nothing of that even seems remotely entertaining to me anymore. Yeah. Um, the other one that would be really cool is to go do the one in Antarctica, but that's like a $35,000 trip. I don't need that for me anymore. Yeah. My goal instead would be to go hike the actual Mont Blanc mountain or continental us or those sorts of things but i think like once you get into something you might change what you Mm -hmm. think your goal is based on who you come to to develop into and i Mm -hmm. think having goals means that you're developing yourself Mm -hmm. and then as you're developing you can say no i guess that's not important to me anymore this Mm -hmm. is more important yeah shifting and being flexible i think one thing i struggle with in life definitely is moderation because i'm an all in balls to the walls kind of person but moderation is important Hmm. to have a healthy life you need to have moderation and that's definitely something i struggle with Hmm. now are you writing down the this bucket list stuff too i think you said you were right yeah um it's written it's also mental yeah yeah cool it's more so about pushing myself to be better do better try something new Mm mm-hmm That's what I look at a bucket list for. Yeah. I've decided that someday when I'm in a nursing home, the ladies are going to be like, yeah, that's Shayla. She is a total liar. She is like, they're (laughs) going to be, no one's going to believe all the things that I've ever done in my life. That's cool. But maybe that's the goal. Maybe the goal is to shock the pants out of all the other ladies (laughs) at the nursing home. Well, you'll have all these beautiful pictures. I know, right? (laughs) (laughs) No, she didn't. (laughs) Nope. I got, I got the TV recording. I was on Judge Judy. <laughs> oh my gosh, yeah. So, um, other than your list, you know, what else is um, in the future? What are, you know, what are other things that are on your plate? Do you want to grow your business? Are you, um, what kind of progress do you make? Um, Personally, well, for business-wise, I 
technically want to shrink my business mm -hmm. in terms of I want to give more quality and more time to my clients, um, which is probably not a business goal for some people, but for me, that's what works for me. Yeah. Um, I think a lot of businesses who are successful and want to be more successful, and this could sound bad to some, but 10% of your business is people who suck your time and resources but don't actually provide you any value in terms of financial or bettering your business or bettering yourself they mm -hmm. either drain you or something like that so trimming the fat yeah maybe is a good business plan for people who have a successful business mm -hmm. I think so my goal is to spend more quality time on my clients and I think that that grows my business by yeah. doing that yeah but it's technically shrinking the quantity of my business mm -hmm. And as we approach the spring here, what could um, potential customers look for for options if they want family pictures or yes, things like that? Yes, I actually have exciting changes happening. Oh. So being that I am really invested in quality, I've made 2019 about quality of life for me and quality mm -hmm. for my business. Um, it's very important to me. So that's what I'm focusing on. That's my intention for my business and my intention for myself. So for me, like I talked about, I can't shoot... 20 people each week and give them all the same quality of time right. so this year what i will be doing starting in june or by july definitely i'll be having mini sessions so those will be events where people can book the time slots for that one day that will be in one spot so i might be on a beach on this first tuesday of the month and in the country the last tuesday of the month oh cool but so that those i can do quantity they get a taste of it. So for someone who's maybe not ready to make a full investment in, yeah. in professional photography, they can try it out. For my clients that maybe already had a session in the winter and they just want a little something, they can have one of those. So that way I can minimize my number of quality shoots with our custom shoots sure. during the week. So I will be offering two quantity days and the rest will be quality. So there will be fewer of them, but then that way I can offer these locations and even I have clients who do one at the beach and the next month one at the apple orchard because that's what they like. So yeah. offering that so I can still give my quality of service to those who want that type of service and those who just want a quick in and out can do one of the events. Mm. So that's what I plan on doing for my business starting for through season. July, like you have a busy season. July through October is crazy for me. So that's how I'm going to balance that. Uh, that's what I've decided upfront. Can people find the mini sessions on iSugarPhotography.com? Yes. yes, and I'll post them on Facebook, yes. Oh, cool. So they'll be announced in advance where they're going to be. And in case there was rain, I'd have a backup day and all that kind of stuff. So there will still be that essence of communication, but right. it'll be uh, they can book their own time slot, all that stuff. So I have a feeling those are going to fill up fast. I think so too. <laughs> so I think that it's going to be a way to offer to the people who – don't want to spend more or are trying and testing it out. I yeah. think that I will always win someone as a client if they test it out, then they'll become a client. But some are very nervous about an investment for a, a photo session, yeah. especially when you're paying a session fee and you don't know what you're going to get. Mm -hmm. My clients who keep coming know what they're getting, oh, so yeah. they are willing to pay that upfront with no question. Right. Whereas the events are very inexpensively priced, have discounted packages, so then mm -hmm. that way someone can taste it out and see what they want but i think that anyone who offers a business service can do something similar to that kind of feel yeah. in terms of a taste a teaser 
just to test out the waters, particularly if you're a custom business that offers a boutique experience. Hmm. Great idea. What about someone that's getting married? Are you still taking people on for this year? I or? do. So that was the other thing that I consciously did when I did quality is I have limited myself to 20 weddings per year because 20. I feel like I can't give my 100% attention to That's you. a lot of weddings. It is. I used to do 40. <laughs> oh so, my gosh. yeah. And do all the other stuff that I did. So for me, I chose 20 to be my max number. They're mm -hmm. spread out. I won't take anyone, so I won't do like a three wedding weekend. But I do. I spend a lot of time with them in advance and booking and planning their day. I do just about every kind of service for them getting to their wedding mm -hmm. and then after. So it's, it's a lot of time. It's probably 120 hours of investment time for this client between getting their galleries, books, etc. Hmm. So that's why I have to limit how many I'll do. So yeah. I am, I think that I have like one spot that could, I could probably wiggle one or two in for this season, but I am definitely booking for next season. It's okay. almost full next year. Cool. Getting there. Do you ever do any, I'm just like thinking about this like for myself, for like website type of stuff. Have you ever done any like lifestyle pictures? Yes. So actually, funny you said that. I started doing that um, last month and I already have several books that I'm doing over the next few. Oh, cool. Why I like it is um, I love helping people. Mm -hmm. I particularly love helping people with business. So it's a great way for me to share my knowledge take pictures of them and tell them how to use them and mm. what to do with them and, and ways to really use it to shine and grow their business. And are these in most cases used for website type mm -hmm. of things? Website, or? social media. So I come to them and shoot in their environment to show what they're doing. Mm -hmm. And they can. I'll take also shots of the layout, the place. Maybe um, I just worked with... Dama, who's a healer, and she uses crystals and all that. So we did crystals. Oh, yeah. I, I checked out her website. Yeah. We, so her stuff, I'm editing right now, so her new stuff will go live. But then she'll have so much content. So when I was with her, we took pictures of different things that are important to her, different parts of her business, so mm -hmm. that when she she does newsletters a lot. So oh, when nice. she's doing a newsletter on tea, yeah. we have pictures of her with tea. Um, when she's doing a newsletter on crystals, we have her working with crystals. Nice. So that way um, she has all the content that she needs for quite some time to help with her business. So I have started doing those. And I nice. really love it because I love being able to help with the knowledge that I have to mm. help push their business. Yeah, you're really getting that individual um, piece of them. It's the connection. And I really love a connection. Mm -hmm. I love talking to people and seeing what they need, what I can help with. Mm -hmm. And so I think that's such an exciting piece that I'm doing right now so that I, I can give what I like to give and, and they can get what they need hmm. and then they get all this marketing stuff for their own use. Do you know of any photography podcasts or have you ever considered doing a podcast and I having have, these conversations? I have not. No. Like I said, there some I've there. only listened to my dad wrote a porno. <laughs> That's right. <yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's not like you have a ton of free time, but I think you're great, like conversationally, and you have a lot to offer. So you should fascinating consider it. Yeah, <laughs> I'll have to listen to this one and see how it is. My voice yeah. makes me cringe. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> does your voice make you cringe? A little bit. Yeah, I think everyone's voice makes them cringe. Yeah. So if I had to hear it, maybe I would talk like this. <laughs> Hi. Hi. Is this how they talk? And <laughs> my dad wrote a porno. <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Don't do that. <laughs> Um, what else? Anything else that you want to talk about or that's on, on the plate um, this year? Let's see. I think that's it in terms of my goal. I talked a lot about my goals. I would think 
parenting, that's some big goals. Yeah. I got some big goals there. Um, particularly with, I have a teenager and a tweenager, so things are starting to get real tough and tight. Mm. Can, so, I, let me, can I ask you a question about parenting? Sure. So I just feel that my daughter, she's six years old now, and she is just going into kindergarten. It's a tough age right there. Yeah, and I feel that that was phase one of parenting, mm-hmm. in that I had to be really supportive, um, like almost safeguarding, more so protective type of Mm -hmm. and now she's really influenced by peers more so oh yeah there's a new personality blooming right now yeah and it was and i knew that was coming but it's like you never know it's going to happen that fast so i i'm trying i feel like there's a shift that i need to make somewhat in being the more encouraging individual developing for my daughter as opposed to kind of the overarching what do you think about that? Monday morning quarterbacking because my kids are older. I wish that, I would say that at five, when they go to school, this new personality blooms yeah. and it is different than your personality. Yeah. So that is hard because before they did anything you wanted them to do <laughs> and they were like, okay, right. because they knew no different. Yeah. And now they're coming up with their own ideas and their own wants and all that. I think that, I think you're doing it already with dance and sports and all that. I particularly for my children have not their greatest social structure in terms of they could do better socially. And I don't know if it's maybe because my kids are five and a half years spread apart. So they all got what they wanted in terms (laughs) of the oldest one. It was, what do you want to do special today? I always geared my day around making sure we did something that was new and exciting for her. And the reality is the world isn't new and exciting every day. Mm -hmm. And then when I had my second one, she was a baby. There was so much space. So she got babied like, oh, she's, so they were both just like babied. Even though my oldest one, I made her really strong and independent in terms of speaking up for herself. That was like a goal of mine because I was a weak little girl. I didn't Mm -hmm. say what I wanted. I didn't speak up. I was quiet. And I wanted a strong will, like I wanted someone to, a, a daughter who could speak her mind and say what she wanted, which could backfire really <laughs> hard. But as a teenager in the struggles, I feel like particularly myself and in our struggles that we're in right now, but I talk to so many other parents that are not friends of mine because of my business. Mm-hmm. And I think every teenage girl or talking to 20 somethings or 30 somethings about how they treated their mothers. Mm-hmm. So I maybe don't have it that bad, but it some days can seem really bad. And I think that it's so important at Matilda's age, this framework that you're building mm-hmm. in terms of communication and particularly for girls, I think te- teaching her to be the leader, not a follower mm-hmm. or sheeple as I call it. Yes. Um, but getting her to try things and see what she likes and speaking about what she likes and mm-hmm. being able to be honest and upfront. Those are th- qualities that I see happening in girls and young women that my generation, I think, didn't have. You were oh, taught yeah. to be quiet and weak and, you know, yeah. that's just what it is. Even just being that I'm 40, there's mm-hmm. such a huge difference. Wow. And these girls these young girls have the ability to be super strong just if they're always taught this independence and speaking their mind. 
But I think another thing missing from the world that parents need to be working really hard on is manners and compassion and caring and work. I think a lot of parents are doing things for their kids mm-hmm. instead of making them do them mm-hmm. and pushing, pushing your kids to have goals. And I just think particularly how we want our girls, boys, whomever, whatever we want for them, we should be modeling in ourselves. So mm-hmm. if you want your kid to be strong and say what she wants and try new things, you need to be saying what you want, trying new yeah, things. You and, can't just be telling them. Right. But so that means that in your 30s, 40s, you're also working on growing mm-hmm. to become these things because your kid is watching you every day and they want to be like you. Whether it's good, bad, <laughs> indifferent, they want to just be like you, mm-hmm. even though they don't say it when they're older. <laughs> but it's true. Mm-hmm. So I think that developing yourself and helping your children develop is really important. And it could be as simple as trying new foods yeah. because. That's a simple thing you can do in your home. That's teaching your child to try new things, not Mm -hmm. just food, but opening their world to bigger than the same day-to-day monotonous that I think that we're living in as people in America. Um, Trying something new, doing something new, and then that teaches your child to do that. And I think every parent wants their child to be better than them and have better things, work hard, you know, mm-hmm. more accomplishments, more whatever. So start with you and and build it with them. Nice. Um, creating that autonomy and like giving them the individualism or allowing them to, to start doing things. And you, for me to like stop doing things. I, I'm a bad example. <laughs> I literally made my kids get up, make their snack, do everything all on their own from the time right when they went to kindergarten yeah teaching them to pick up after themselves teaching them to put their snack together i would be there in the beginning to be like okay you need a fruit you need we call it a healthy you need a healthy you can have a little junk and uh something else but they would put it together and i'd watch and then as they got older they do it all on their own my kids are completely self-sufficient and to some people that would be a bad thing they would Mm. look at it like what a bad mom that she doesn't do all these things for you I think it's created independent, mm-hmm. strong women, young women who can do everything on their own. Because if you're doing everything for your kid and then you send them to college and they don't even know how to do laundry or yeah. I, what what have you done? Mm-hmm. You created a kid who's going to wind back up with you. And no offense to those who have them at their home. I want to be free. I, I'm yeah. waiting to be free. Yeah. So teach your kids to do these things at a young age. Mm-hmm. And push all, all it's benefiting them as a human mm-hmm. because then they're independent in work or independent at school you can't call it's their college though, professors like, for matilda to tie her shoes takes like forever but she can do it velcro is okay <laughs> till you're eight nine I, I feel like velcro is good till nine that's okay but a little more effort in the earlier years build the nice foundations yeah. what you're saying but helping them do it but make sure they're doing it and you're next to them yeah. and then you pull back a little bit and let them have some chores on their own chores are important we all had chores i don't know what this new thing is where nobody has chores anymore (laughs) my kids will be like nobody else has to do it i don't care and they want allowance yeah i don't (laughs) even do allowance (laughs) it's like a this is your job to be part of this house and then you get bonus money for the extra stuff that you do you want money clean the garage but otherwise part of their job of being in our family is picking up after yourself fluffing the pillows in the living room or whatever it happens to be they each have 
items they're responsible for. Mm. But that's part of a family. And why is it my job to pick up after them or your job to pick up everything? Yeah. You should be teaching them to help because part of a community or a home with a family, everyone should be helping. Mm. But if you're creating these kids who do nothing, you're putting at them at a disadvantage for relationships in their future. Yeah, and it, and it definitely spreads through the community. Mm -hmm. One thing I recently heard someone say is like the success of parenting could be based on the individual uh, autonomy, I guess, of the of the child, like as they move out into the world, mm -hmm. and and that that can be hard because you want you still want to have that connection with your mm -hmm. kid, but like you said, you can't be doing everything for them. No, and I think that you're putting them at a disadvantage for a job, college. You're not there. You can't call their professors and say hey, sorry, Susie, she had a rough night last night. Like, they have to learn how to talk to their professor on their own and make up. And if they fail a fuss, they fail a fuss. Mm -hmm. That's part of learning. Did you ever make mistakes? Did your parents clean up every mistake? <laughs> no, but right now everybody's picking up after their kids all the time, emotionally, physically, all this stuff. They're not going to be independent. I'm worried for what type of adults we're creating mm -hmm. for all these people who aren't making their children accountable mm -hmm. for things. Yeah. But it's every facet of your life, your mm -hmm. job, college, whatever it happens to be, you have to be able to communicate your needs or your lackings or whatever's happening, mistakes, and accepting responsibility. I, that's my number one thing I say to my kids. Accept responsibility for your actions. Uh, it's all my fault. Yeah. Not, not <laughs> flying in my house. No. Cool. Yeah. So that's it, I think. Yeah. All right. Well, let's wrap it up there. Okay. Um, so people can find you by going, is iSugarPhotography.com? Yes. Cool. And on so Facebook, So if they're interested in pictures. It's iSugar. Okay, iSugar on Facebook. Yep. And you have an Instagram? Yes, I use that personally just for like quotes or things I'm doing. Yep. Cool. Yeah. Well, I encourage everyone to reach out and uh, have a conversation with you. And I think you have a lot to offer. This is this is a great episode. Thank you. That was Thank fun. you so much. All right. Cool. Uh, so this is Jimmy Thorpe for Breathe Upon Waking. The next time you wake up, don't forget to breathe.